How long was Neil Armstrong actually on the moon? When did Europe start speaking English? Did Marco Polo really go to China? CuriosityStream is the streaming service for all things history, plus science, wildlife, and more. What's the real story behind the Mona Lisa? We've got that. What caused the collapse of Rome? We know. Where did we find mankind's earliest ancestor? Come find out. For the holidays, get the gift of curiosity with 25% off gift cards for your curious cohorts. It's holiday shopping season at curiositystream.com gift. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. From the home of TV news, interviews, and reviews, this is the Custard TV Podcast. It's the Custard TV Podcast, the podcast of, surprise, surprise, thecustardtv.com. Tuesday night sees a brand new drama on BBC One. It's called The Escape Artist, and having seen the first one, we're in for a real treat. So much so, I managed to get hold of David Wollstonecraft in his hotel room at the minute. Um, <laughs> we're going to say what you... I mean, are you comfortable? What's the hotel room like? Is it nice? Are you here just to promote the series? Um, um, I am, you know, it's 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 very nice. They let me out for meals and they let me <laughs> for a um, bathroom break every two hours. Oh, it's great. Well, that, that's more than you want, really, isn't it? I mean, it's great, but the bungee cord doesn't chafe very much either, so I can't I can't go too far without stringing back. I I smell a five star review on TripAdvisor based on just those three <laughs> comments. Uh, the Escape Artist, as I said, starts on Tuesday three-part uh, series starring David Tennant, Sophia Canedo and Ashley Jensen. First of all, where, where did the idea of the escape artist come from initially? Because I did read that you, you called it quite a personal story. Yeah, I mean, um, I think there's sort of two components to how it all came about. The first one was I just I was really um, champing at the bit to write uh, a thriller like just a standalone um, three-part, four-part thriller. It's three parts in the end. Um, uh, that really was a, a, an emotional roller coaster, and something. Uh, I'm a big fan of Hitchcock. That something in with psychological suspense. And um, the second part of it was that I'd, I'd been thinking for many years about. Um, I had the misfortune to be in a, um, a civil lawsuit. Um, have to have to deal with sort of uh, the law on a daily basis sort of dominated my life for a while and um, part of the uh, weird thing that happened that I sort of discovered was that you know, I went into it thinking that I was you know I was, it was a challenging time anyway but I you know I thought well I've had on my shoulders I can apply myself to this problem and, and you know and you're dealing with lots of um, different uh, legal concepts and arguments and counter arguments and rebuttals and all this stuff. Um, and then I would come home and be an absolute fucking bastard and be an absolute nasty piece of, I would just be furious and angry and a really angry, tedious person. And, uh, re- I was really raw, emotional, kind of unlike me really in, in, in the sense that I, I'd, um, 
I don't really fly off the handle that much. Um, and uh, I was just really surprised, and I realized that it was to do with the fact that on the, on the day I was dealing with the law, but that when at home, I was really de- processing the, the justice part, is that I felt a lot of injustice. And um, you have this thing of when somebody you know cuts in front of you in a queue on the bus stop, you can tap them on the shoulder and say, excuse me, there's a queue here. You know, you, you can do something about it if you feel aggrieved. But when you're in the middle of this situation, you just don't. You, you, I, at least personally, I can't speak for you. I, I felt very uh, powerless to do anything with all that emotion because I felt aggrieved. But there was this massive machine rolling towards me like a steamroller. There's nothing that I could do apart from, uh, you know, feel what I was feeling. So... So, and I'd never really seen that aspect of a legal show before. You know, it always felt a bit, there was step elements and there was bits that were, um, you know, components of the jigsaw puzzle of the piece. So, you know, I put it to you, my lord, that blah, blah, blah. And and that's all very well and interesting. But for me, you know, a good drama and, and particularly a good thriller needs to be incredibly emotional and take you on an emotional roller coaster. So that was that was where those two things married. And then often, as these things do, for me, when, when something's really working on an emotional level, it just happens, to, just comes out quite fast, and, and I get it down on paper quite fast. And so it just all came out pretty much fully formed, um, at least the first hour did. So it was uh, um, as, as good a birth as I could hope for in that sense. And how important is it to you as a writer that the, the law side of things is sort of factually accurate. Well, hugely, because I didn't want it to be, uh, you know, Mitchell and Webb do their lazy writer sketch. You know, I, it, it's um, uh, I, I really wanted it to be uh, to be authentic and have factual veracity. But at the same time, you know, there's certain it's, like anything. It's 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 drama. It's not documentary, but. Um, uh, I was very clear on the, the. We had a couple of legal consultants, actually, uh, Martin McCarr and, and Andrew Jeffries QC, and, and both of them were very, um, very, very good at at looking at uh, the legal arguments in each legal scene and 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 the the etiquette as well, the the protocol, and um, helping me get to a place where it was working within the context of the story, but didn't feel clunky. You know, it was just, I wanted it to, to be something that barristers are going to, lawyers are going to watch and go, yeah, that's it. And there was a strand that, there was a slightly more satirical strand at one point based on one of the characters who, sort of emblematic of, of, of how tough it is for some barristers right now, particularly in the criminal law with legal aid being squeezed, that I wanted there to be a sort of real world, you know, 2013 contemporary reality about it. And also, I mean, you 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 do you call it a, a a legal thriller. There's a lot of tension, underlying tension in that first episode. How much of that is in the script, and how much of that is in the director's sort of eye as well? Um, I think it's in both. I mean, it's all a collaboration. I don't project the script through the power of my imagination. You know, it's 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 definitely all there in the script. It was from the beginning. This is a every every sort of Turn of the story needs to keep you a little bit on your on your um, 
I don't know what you call it, but sort of on edge that you, you're 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 a little bit your your dukes are up. You're not quite sure what to think about this yet, and that a sense of unease and dread almost that can happen in in really good thrillers where you don't quite know why you're clenching your fists a bit. Um, that was a conversation very early on with Brian Welsh, who directed it beautifully, and we had this conversation constantly. Because you're constantly in, in the sort of the, the cut and thrust of production. You need to keep these precepts very clear in your head um, to move forward, I, I believe. that So you can always be visually and thematically and emotionally true in every scene. You know what your intention is. So we would talk about, you know, a, a lot of reflections. We'd think about moments where we could have a character reflected in a in glass or we, we stay on a moment a little too long or we move away from a place a little you know creepily and, and sort of instill a sense uh, uh, of dread so you know that you're in a story that might throw some spanners at you and as far as as the casting was concerned are you were you really pleased to get David Tennant I mean he really is the man of the moment at the moment um, what do you, I don't suppose you visualise actors, do you, when you write, or or do you tend to do that? Um, I don't know. I I I I tend to write in a sort of. I need to own it myself in my head, and mm. if you if you you can start a cast in your head with pleasure and have fun with it, but but for me, in terms of the leads and the way that I see them, generally they are them their own people, and then. Because I think if you get married to the idea of one person doing it, um, you can be inspired by somebody, but, but to be married to the idea and write it for them, then when they don't do it for whatever reason, it, it's difficult to sort of glom onto somebody else, whereas everybody's going to bring something new to the party. So that, so when David signed on, which obviously I was delighted with, I've tracked his career, I've seen almost everything he's been in, um, and I think he's absolutely one of the greatest actors this country has ever produced. He's a marvel. Um, I, um, apart from jumping up and down, it was just he, he, he brought something new to it. And he, and he studied it so hard. He, he's, he's got such an extraordinary work ethic. Because, you know, when you make something like this, it's, it's split up like a pizza into 100 pieces. You, and you're, you're doing them in different days and you're filming different episodes on different days and sometimes, you know, all three hours on the same day but different parts of it. So there's a big, huge emotional you have to go through from transitioning one into the other. And he just nailed every single one and um, lifted spirits. is very breezy on set and, and sort of made everybody feel welcome and we all had a good time so it's you know he's i'd cast him in every part and everything i do <laughs> there's there's a line there's a line in an upcoming in the first episode uh where foil says to will you remind me a lot of me yeah which i was a bit curious about Are you could you elaborate on that a little bit without giving too much of the plot away uh, and and why that's integral it felt like an integral part of the plot to me that line I mean, you're absolutely right. It, it speaks to thematically one of the things I was talking about earlier about mirroring, where um, there's something very similar about Will and Foyle in the sense that they're both very applied 
to their own uh, way of doing things. So I imagine like having to spend time in someone like Foyle's company uh, when you're defending him must have an effect on you. And to have someone feel that you are similar to them when you are um, in the muck of, of what they may have done is quite a, a challenge. And so it, it speaks thematically to that sense of the shadow and self, basically, the Jungian concept that a lot of screenwriters use about the sort of the darker side of each other, of, of, of me is the, is you and I am the darker side of you and all of this stuff. It sounds like a lot of psycho blah, 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 but it really does have a lot of, um, uh, uh, under the surface that really is, is part of the architecture of the show. You said it's quite personal and you were drawing on, on memories, but how much of you do you tend to put into any script that you write? Well, I put all of me into every script, all right? I mean, I, I, if you don't, then you're kind of coasting, in my opinion. I don't make it about my life. I, I use the experiences that I've had to to channel what I imagine... Uh, people are going through you try and empathize with everybody's point of view even if it's reprehensible and uh, that's just the, the way I work um, and also after a certain point and uh, a lot of writers friends and I, I we, we talk about this and it's, it's, it seems quite a common thing is that one character's been running and walking and talking um, and you're writing them if you get to a plot problem or you're concerned about part of the story not feeling right, you just get into a corner, you literally lock them in a box or handcuff them, you know, the escape artist style and watch them get out of it. It's like, I can't think of a solution, but maybe Will can think of a solution. And um, it's a weird sort of left, left brain half step, but it, it does seem to work. And in screenwriting, character is is structure, and character is destiny, and character is story. So everybody's destiny and story within um, an hour-long show, within any story, the character is what is going to determine what happens. A lot of writers I speak to um, on this very podcast uh, say that they they want to challenge themselves by writing long-form pieces. And I'm sort of curious as to why... This this is a three parter and perhaps not a six, or you know, or a one off or a, a bit a longer episode. Just three, just did three, just feel right for you when you were putting it together. Yeah, it just it, it it was completely naturally, and when you get to the end, you'll understand. You know, it's like it, it felt completely natural that this was three hours. It lived, and that we talked about is this four, is this whatever. You know, we we. The BBC were very supportive. Matthew Reed was our executive producer at the BBC, and he sat with me and sat with Hilary Bevan Jones and Paul Frith, two of the producers, and Brian Welsh, the director. We all just um, looked very, very intensely at the best place for the story to live. And I felt instinctively it was this three parts, and uh, it all sort of worked out just fine. And I really wanted to break the speed limit as well. I really wanted it to to zip along and um uh you know it wasn't um, it's i don't i i don't see it as you know um well, it, i i so promise it, you it zips along 
because I watched it at eight o'clock this morning uh, with the remnants of a cold. And I was on the edge of my seat, and that's, oh, that's the most great. awake I've ever been at eight o'clock in the morning with a cold. So you've done something special there. That's great. I can maybe market it as some form of cold remedy. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just uh, honey and lemon and the escape artist. <laughs> that's not an angle we've thought of. Thank you. We'll, no. we'll try that. <laughs> yeah, it's for the you. You got until Tuesday to iron it out. That's so fine. I'll, I'll call them. Um, who is it? Beecham's. I'll get Beecham's on the line right now. <laughs> Should say other cold remedies are available. If that's <laughs> um, as far as um, writing for television, you're living in LA at the moment. I understand. How do you do? You still are you still as interested in UK uh, produced TV as you were uh, when you started Spooks and things of that nature? Hugely, hugely. I had lunch today with somebody that looks like we we might be doing something together. So it's 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 a. Uh, you know, it's it's a. Uh, um, I'm very very grateful for the uh, um, support I've had on British TV over the years. I mean, I've been I've been writing uh, dramas on Channel Four and then the BBC for since I was well, let's see, I was 28. So and I'm and I'm 100 years old now. So that's you know, 62 years, 52 years. Anyway, I can't do maths very well. But... <laughs> But a long time. No, long, but you're good long, at English. You mastered English. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I, I think that um, I just do what I do. It's, it's all I've ever done is do this, in a sense. Um, but the the what I'm trying to say is that the that there are certain wonderful uh, rhythms that you get into doing a British show that are different in America. It's it's there's a lot more urgency in America, which can be fantastic, but it can also be exhausting there's a hell of a lot more people get their spoons in the bowl and mm. um uh you have to be a lot stronger to to push back and and navigate the course that you want to navigate and here it feels um because there are less episodes there's more focus as well and obviously this is a self-contained thing but you know um it was really um important to me to to uh to do this absolutely like down the middle um uh how much of a challenge did you feel as well not to fall into those crime and legal drama cliches because at least in the first episode um we don't we, there isn't a great deal of those we've seen it all before moments really it does feel quite fresh and exciting this so were you aware that you wanted to move out of some of the cliches we're more used to seeing definitely you wanted to see me sarge you know i i think um uh, as you know there's been a murder you know i i, <laughs> I don't want to do um sorry that seems very sort of uh, unfair you know there's a lot of great crime drama in, in british television there is a lot of it there are certain tropes that are more familiar um, I definitely wanted to avoid as many of those as I could. It was very, very important to me that we didn't dwell on any gratuitous grisliness. It's part of the landscape, but it's not something to linger over. And that's there's no glorification of it. It was really important. I'm a dad, you know. I the sense of a female victim in the first instance, like when with the, one of the first cases that that wills. Defending is is um, the death of this um, woman, and uh, he 
I wanted to make sure that there was no none of that going on and um, make it feel which is what it is, which is it's almost mundane, horrifically. That it, it's it's something that is just part of the landscape when the people are doing this job. Because Will was not really affected by it initially himself. It's just another, it's just another case for him, really, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. Well, that's part of the the idea is that he so it, he's got his home life and he's got his job, and there's a huge, massive uh, hedge between them, and the, the outside world starts to bleed into um, his home, and. Oh. So when your plot, you said you wanted to move it along really quickly, and it does. I got the cold, um, but um, uh. how do you plot those twists and turns? And and is it was it a challenge knowing that you only had three hours to get all this in? No, because again, it was like we the I knew what the story was, and I knew what what moments I wanted to hit when. It was just how long I was going to take to get there. But I also very importantly aimed the entire show at the final scene the final two <laughs> scenes so I scenes and so what I wanted to do was to make a show that keeps you guessing but when you get to the end and I'm not saying it's like a sixth sense they're all zombies revelation but it's, <laughs> okay I crossed that one off the list well there aren't many actually zombie legal shows they have copyright anyway the, the, the but the idea that that when you get to the end, you want to watch it again because it lights it in a new way, and you want to see oh. the whole thing again um, immediately. That was my goal: is to say, is to do one of those things. You know, it, it happens in novels occasionally where, where you read this book, you start it, and then just you just have to get to the end. There's just no question. The last page is going to have the final, the final moment, and um, it was really important for me to do that. So. Um, that's what I've done. I hope we shall see. And if what do you see. think? Well, what do you think of the way people watch TV now, sort of with Twitter at their side? And it always sort of annoys me a little bit. But if they're watching something like this, they should be concentrating and enjoying it. And often they're tweeting along with it. What do you think of of that side of the way television's heading now? Um, I think two things really. I think it's natural. It's the natural extension of gossip and and community, and it's really nice to have that sort of watch along. It's, it's when I live in LA, when I'm there, you know. When it, sometimes it's really funny because I see people tweeting about the Great British Bake Off <laughs> I've never seen, but I see all my friends just laying into this. It's hilarious. I just sort of it illuminates my friends as I watch them do this. Um, uh, the other thing I would say is I think I've been thinking about this a, a lot actually. If there's something that's really worth watching, Twitter has has become a kind of uh, impetus for people to watch shows when they go out. We're all like, let's DVR it and blah 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 and, and wait. But if you really care about watching the show, like I, I haven't seen the last season of Breaking Bad, I, I, I haven't caught up with it. I, I really like the show, but I haven't I haven't watched it all. So I was off Twitter when the final episode was airing because I didn't want to know anything. Um, but if I'd been up to speed, I would have... And some people did this. They did a binge watch so they could get up to speed so they could see the last episode go out when it was transmitted. And 
broadcasters are all about we wish people would watch the show when it is transmitted. And Twitter, in a sense, if, if you're keen on the show and it's proving to be something you want to watch, you, I, I'm noticing people take, making appointments to watch something when it TXs so that Twitter doesn't spoil it for them. Uh, I sh- I'm sure we, we, we I can't complain because my website wouldn't exist if it wasn't for uh, TV on the way and certainly the Escape Artist has its own Twitter account which you can follow now should you wish so uh, I, j- I just hope that people watch uh, watch as well as Twitter and not just get too sucked in I, I hear you. conversation I, I hear you. It's, it's not it's like somebody you know playing Angry Birds while they're telling you while you're telling them your life story like it's not <laughs> You know? <laughs> oh, stop then. Sorry, I didn't realise you could see me. Um, <laughs> okay, the escape artist, it starts Tuesday at 9. If you had to convince someone who'd never heard of the premise, um, and maybe people listening to this interview are just listening now because they're a fan of yours, what could you tell them in a sentence? How would you convince them to give the escape artist a go on Tuesday night? Um uh, someone on on one of my local radio interviews said this to me. He says like, uh, so, uh, "A legal thriller from the creator of Spooks and Doctor Who, um, getting writing together. Well, you've got to watch that, haven't you?" Um, uh, I thought that was very sweet. But the 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 sort of the, the, the less PR puffy way to say this would be, um, David Tennant plays a a, a defence barrister who. Um, gets people out of tight legal corners. He, he's the Houdini of the legal profession, and then he gets the wrong person off. And you've never, even if you've seen David Tennant and everything he's done, he's never done something like this. You, um, you have to watch for what the performance he gives is absolutely stellar. And uh, everybody who's worked on it, we have a screening tonight actually for cast and crew. Uh, I'm really excited because I think everybody's going to be blown away by what David does. And believe me, Ashley and Sophie and um, and Toby all give just brilliant performances. And I feel like we should talk more about Toby Cable because his performance in this is 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 equal to David's in in my opinion. He's really really creepy. I agree. He. Um, that's part of that. You remind me of me stuff. Is that and, and and it's almost a harder role to come towards because it's 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 full of potential. A bit like the genre itself, it's full of potentially familiar territory, and he doesn't make a wrong take a wrong step, in my opinion. And he had an aura about him as well. Just even on set, he brought it in such a profound way that you were really on your uppers, like you really didn't quite know what to expect. Um, it was, um, and you'll see, believe me, it's, it, it, it only gets better with those two. It only gets better. And the, um, uh, the, also the chemistry between Ashley and, and David. Um, oh, they, they, they should be married. I know. <laughs> They're very, very old friends and they sort of started their careers together and, um, they, uh, they're also just lovely people naturally, so they just fell into this wonderful place where to to see them as a married couple, you just you just completely buy it, and you can see their relationship. and And I have to say, just a, a big big up to to, to, to Sophie as well because she 
she come she she came right into the shooting into a really really big court day with lots and lots of stuff going on and 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 she nailed it because she she approached the law from a different place than David's character. And you could see in her that part of Maggie's character is that she's, she, she's, she's a grafter and she really, really works hard to get it right. And you could see the frustration because she, she, she plays a lawyer who, who always seems to come second to will and everything they do. And, uh, and she's constantly bumping up against that, bumping up against that. And you just, you you see the awkwardness that she has, and then as a whole, when you get when you get to see the the whole story as it opens up even more, um, uh, again that relationship becomes quite a mirrory relationship as well. It's very very interesting to see uh, how she did it. And in the edit, sometimes um, like w- once we were done, I kept finding things. Brian. Um, more than me, but he kept finding like, these moments, these looks that she gives that are just really emotional and, and say so much in such a limited space, um, which is what you want, really. You want that kind of economy um, uh, when you're trying to tell a story with pace and and a bit of, well, what, you know, beat. What struck, me, what struck me about Toby is that, that that role could have, I suppose, quite easily been overplayed. And no, yet, exactly. That's what I mean about about familiar terror yeah. is that the, the um, and about an actor bringing their own juice to a role. It's just that that's the way um, a really that that's the only way a really good program is made. Literally, the only way it can possibly be good is if everybody just adds adds value at every single stage. And um, Toby did that for sure. With, with with that role, he really, um, yeah. I mean, it makes your skin crawl. Tuesday night, the escape artist. Watch it, BBC One, nine o'clock. Please watch it. I don't wish a cold on anyone, but if you've got one, you'll enjoy it regardless. At nine o'clock, <laughs> the escape artist on Tuesday. Thank you ever so much, David. Thank you very okay. much. Download this podcast from the thecustardtv.com. The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Border Patrol agents enjoy great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. If you are looking for a way to serve something greater than yourself, consider the U.S. Border Patrol. Learn more online at cbp.gov slash careers slash usbp. That's cbp.gov slash careers slash usbp.